This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Aaron Rodgers, he's just like you and me, sitting on top of a really big decision. He's got to make at some point in the near future about whether he's going to play a 19th season in the NFL. And he says he's, quote, not mentally or emotionally at the point to give a decision just yet. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Aaron Goldhammer sitting in for the guys on this Wednesday afternoon. You can tweet to us, my handle, at Courtney R. Cronin. Aaron's is at Hammer Nation 19. You can also hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. What are the options for Aaron Rodgers following this season if he doesn't end up with the Green Bay Packers? We're not talking Jeopardy. We're not talking any other outside football venture. Where do you think he might end up if it is not playing for the Green Bay Packers in season number 19? Aaron, welcome in. Um, What's what up, do you, what do you make of his? Yeah, I well, think we all Aaron's a bad this, name, right? You know, I, I, I don't like the fact that he's soiling the name Aaron. <laughs> you know, I, I find it hard to believe. Last off season, he was asked straight up, "Will you ever play for another team other than the Packers?" After he signed this new contract, and he said, "No, I will never play for another team other than the Green Bay Packers." And now, I think he kind of sounds like. A guy who wants to have some options, wants to be wanted, wants to go somewhere else. Um, and I kind of don't understand, Courtney, how that's actually going to transpire. I mean, he's going to have to be complicit in that because I, I looked this up. It's a $99 million dead cap hit for the Packers if they're going to trade Aaron Rodgers. And if I'm in Green Bay, you know, I don't know that that I'm going to be amenable to just letting him walk wherever he wants to go. Um, so my, my guess is, you know, either he's going to end up playing for the Packers or he's going to end up playing for nobody because I'm I'm having trouble. And, Courtney, maybe you can unpack this for me better, but I'm having trouble seeing the scenario where he ends up going somewhere else. Like, how does that logistically even work? Well, contractually, we know that he has over $58 million guaranteed next year. That's the signing bonus that he's due in 2023 as part of the contract extension that he signed last offseason. So the realistic notion here is that he will end up back in Green Bay because who wants to pass up $58 million guaranteed, even if you end up going eight and nine again this year and missing the postseason the way that he just did in 2022. Now, he doesn't have that many more years left to be playing football when we're looking at this from a realistic standpoint. We know Tom Brady played at 45. We don't know how much longer he's going to play. Aaron Rodgers, just under 40 years old. But at this point, his career is on a year-to-year basis. Contract Actually, though, the Packers owe him a lot of money for playing next year unless he decides to retire, which is what I think is completely off the table. If he did get traded, though, somewhere else, you've got to believe that there are a ton of suitors out there. We know that teams like the Jets, the Raiders are just two teams that had veteran quarterbacks who might be in the mix for veteran quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo's name has been thrown around in that mix. Tom Brady has been thrown around in that mix. And, oh, well, you also got to think about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, too, that they're a team that might be looking for a veteran quarterback. There will right. be no shortage of options, Aaron. I think it's just a matter now of how can you finesse this if you're another team trying to pick up Aaron Rodgers via a trade? And what was what does his contract look once he gets to you? Because at the end of the day, he's yeah. got to get paid what he's already been owed by the Green Bay Packers. Now, does another team want to assume 
assume that financial responsibility. A few quarterbacks out there, I think, that could command a team to do something like that other than Aaron Rodgers. True. You know, I kind of feel like the Packers screwed up, Courtney, when they could have traded him for like three number one draft picks and not have had this giant contract problem. Uh, And they didn't take advantage of that opportunity. Now, I understand they wanted to try to win or get to another Super Bowl with Rodgers, and he won another two MVP awards. But the problem with him, and I think the reason he wants to come back, unlike Brady, like it feels like there's something missing from his career, that he got to this one Super Bowl and won it 11, 12 years ago. Mm And now he hasn't gotten back. He keeps getting to the NFC Championship game and falling short and not winning. And I think he always thought, look, you know, I'll, Favre will have won one. I'll, I'll at least tie Bart Starr's two Super Bowls, if not winning three in Green Bay. Like, that feels like it's in my future. And all of a sudden, here we sit now, and he's kind of staring at the end. So I think he's trying to protect the fact that, unlike Brady, he's got more to prove in his career But part of the reason why the Packers failed this year, uh, he doesn't want to admit this and take accountability for it, but he's the reason why the Packers failed this year, right? He demanded all the money. They let go of Devontae Adams. Whose fault was that? Was that the Packers' fault? No, it's Aaron Rodgers' fault because he demanded that he make $50 million a year in the first place. Um, You know, in their defense by the end of the year played well, I thought he played terrible against the Lions. I didn't – he looked detached to me. He looked like Mm -hmm. he was having no fun. He looked miserable. So I guess the one thing I would say to him, the one piece of advice I give him is if you're miserable playing football, go do your own podcast or whatever – you know, go start a new game show. I, uh, maybe there is something like that that he would be interested in. Well, there's two things at play here, two questions we have to ask. A, what does Aaron Rodgers want? And B, how long can the Green Bay Packers realistically wait on a decision from Rodgers? Because, right. like right. you mentioned, he can't hold them hostage again. This is not 2021 all over again. They will not wait that long. They have other players that they have to decide on contracts, the fifth-year option for Jordan Love, what have you. But Aaron Rodgers, as we know, has always been very intentional with the things that he said. In the past, it's been that I want to retire Green Bay Packer. But when his tone shifts and when it changes, we need to listen. And we need to listen right now to what he said on the Pat McAfee show about what he really wants in the future, whether it's with Green Bay or somewhere else. I think I can win MVP again in the right situation. Right situation? Is that Green Bay or is that somewhere else? I'm not sure. But I don't think you should shut down any you know opportunity. Like I said, during the season, it's got to be both sides – actually wanting you know to work together moving forward uh i think there's you know more conversations to be had okay so there's a lot within that the first that he said he thinks he can win the mvp award again whether it's with green bay or somewhere else right now is moot but he also talked about both sides wanting to come together and work together really towards a common goal here which leads me to believe that all that we know that's going on behind the scenes with the Green Bay Packers and all the promises that were made that, hey, we're going to do things differently this time around. We're going to let you have a say in personnel decisions, all that. Maybe that's not actually happening, and that's what he's getting at because Aaron Rodgers is never going to come out directly and throw somebody under the bus and just be blunt about it. He's going to say these things that are veiled in a number of different respects, whether it's passive-aggressive, whether it's um, not wanting to call somebody out directly for whatever reason. I mean, we hear these things either go through third-party channels or him going out there and not actually saying directly what he means. But there was a lot more there that I think we can unpack and assume that he's not entirely sold that Green Bay is going to give him the best option.
option for his future. Well, I thought this was interesting. Rob Gronkowski tweeted, why are you thinking about the MVP? It should be about Super Bowls, and you should never be thinking about MVPs. Super Bowls are five times greater than an MVP award. It's funny, Courtney, because Rodgers has made the money. He has the MVPs. To mm-hmm. me, he is arguably the greatest regular season quarterback of all time. But Gronk is kind of right. At this point in his career, what's more important? Signing the contract that's paying you $50 million a year, or do you want to get to and win a second Super Bowl? What is the priority? What is the main thing? And I think that's a fair question to ask to Aaron Rodgers at this point. Why is he still talking about winning the MVP again? You know, if you asked a Packer fan, would you rather see Rodgers win another MVP or win a Super Bowl MVP? I think that's an easy question. I mean, it it comes as a surprise because the ultimate competitors are the one who want to win the ultimate prize, which is a Super Bowl in, in a Lombardi trophy. Nobody ever talks about, man, I really want to get to the NFC Championship this year, or I really want to get to Wild Card Weekend. We just want to be a playoff team. No, you always have the end goal in mind. And for Aaron Rodgers, that almost felt... Like, nobody ever talks about individual accomplishments, at least outwardly in the NFL. Of course, guys want to hit certain yard markers and, and other you know things that will trigger incentives in their contract, but you never hear, hey, I really want to win another MVP award this year. And I don't know whether he thought he was actually going to get a third unanimous, a third straight MVP this year, the way that he did 2020 and 2021. But very clearly, that's top of mind for Aaron Rodgers right now, more so than a Super Bowl. So I think if you're the Green Bay Packers, you got to ask yourselves, where is our quarterback right now mentally? Is he all in on the team versus himself? Because that answer right there, Aaron, shows you that he only cares about what it's going to mean for himself going forward. He's not talking – like. Put all of the MVP stuff aside. He didn't say, man, I want to go to the best situation next year that's going to set me up for a Super Bowl run in my 19th season, whether it's the Packers or not. He's right. talking about, well, whether it's the Packers or somewhere else, I want to go somewhere else where I th- because I still feel like I can win right. an right. MVP title. And, and, and by the way, you know, everything, like you said, that he says is intentional. And he's been in front of the media, for, so he knows how this stuff comes across. And he chooses his words very carefully. So... I think that this is about blame for him. I think that it's about why his career has sort of failed to meet certain benchmark expectations when it comes to postseason success. And again, I look in his eyes and I read his body language, Courtney. He looked like he was miserable this year. He was making all the money and he was coming off two straight MVP awards And it looked like he would rather be hosting Jeopardy in French. I mean, it looked like he'd rather be anywhere. I just, that that detached look on his face during the Week 18 game against the Lions, a game they had to win to get into the playoffs, was really alarming to me. Um, So if I was the Packers, I was a Packer fan, I got to make sure he's all in and prioritizing the right things. If I feel good about bringing him back and wanting him to come back, otherwise, if I could get value for him on the open market and I believed in Jordan Love, Mm -hmm. like those are things I'd have to really seriously consider. Look what Seattle did with Russell Wilson. You think they're happy that they got rid of their Super Bowl winning quarterback? I think they're they're ecstatic about the state of their organization. Okay. 
I mean, I think it's different circumstances, though, because the, the writing was on the wall with Russ and the quarterback that he was versus a quarterback that he wa- that he became in 2021, that it was a smarter decision to part with him. I think Aaron Rodgers can sh- has shown multiple times that he can still be that MVP level guy. This past year, he didn't have enough around him to really get to watch that on a day to day, week to week basis with games. There were moments and obviously the run that they had at the end of the year, Aaron, that leads me to believe, hey, he can still do this at a very high level, but I don't think that the Green Bay Packers right now are in that same situation as Seattle because, honestly, has that boat not already left the dock because they could have done this in 2021 when Jordan Love was sitting there following his rookie season and they knew that they had to do something, otherwise Aaron Rodgers was going to continue to hold them hostage throughout the offseason. And that's what I think they're worried about right now, the timetable. Obviously, this is a lesson in burnout, and I think that Sean McVay showed us what taking a little bit of time. I honestly thought he was going to take more. But what that can do to set you up for making a sound decision that's not based on emotion or how you're feeling in that very moment, Aaron Rodgers should be afforded that same sort of – just the same sort of ability to take a little bit of time. But how long can the Packers realistically wait before they need to move on one way or the other? Randy Mueller, former NFL executive and general manager, was on Canty and Carlin yesterday talking about how long the Packers can realistically wait. Obviously, you're, you're holding your own franchise a little bit hostage if you delay decisions like this. I think it cost them last year. As a GM, it would be a nightmare because you really can't make a plan. You can't figure out where your cap's going to be. You can't figure out where your quarterback's going to be. I think they would be okay with Jordan Love, but obviously it's a different team without Aaron Rodgers in every way. So they've got questions, and I'm, I'm imagining Brian Gutekus wants the answers ASAP, I guess, as we know, though, Rogers does things on his own time frame, and it, it puts the franchise in peril until he does. So that was Randy Mueller, former NFL GM on Canyon Carlin yesterday. And I know sometimes we knock Aaron Rodgers saying he marches to the beat of his own drum, Aaron, and that, you know, he's holding his team hostage. <laughs> Is it because of like the way that he acts like publicly when he talks and, and leaves all this mystery in between his words where we are the ones who have to decipher it that we kind of give him a knock for that? Because I don't know, like if Tom Brady takes time this offseason to think about what he wants to do, whether he wants to play at age 46 or retire, do you think we're going to criticize him the same way that we're doing with Aaron Rodgers right now? No, I think that the vaccination situation the ayahuasca situation, the fact that he hasn't won as much means he doesn't have quite as long a leash. But also, I think the fact that he's making $50 million, I mean, Tom Brady never did that to an organization. He could have. He could have said, my number one priority, Bill, is to be the highest paid quarterback of all time. But that never was what Brady was about. Um, so also, keep in mind here... I think Rodgers gets more criticism for this kind of stuff because he was the victim of it early in his career with Brett Favre. And now he's kind of doing to Jordan Love what Favre did to him. Here's what I would do. Kunst should pick up the phone. He should call Pat McAfee, who will call Aaron Rodgers for him, because I don't know that Kunst even has Aaron Rodgers' phone number. And I'd say to him, you got until the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, how much time do you really need? Uh, you got until the Super Bowl. That's another, what, three, four weeks for you to make up your mind about what you want to do. It's not like the offseason is going to really start moving, Courtney, until after the Super Bowl anyway. 
what's happening right now that they have to have Aaron Rodgers' decision? To me, they nothing. don't. They don't. Yeah. But I do think when it comes to like the big picture here, because you got to look at what the rest of their roster, I'm looking at their um, 2023 salary cap and everybody that's not on it from, you know, not on the roster from this year because the decisions for free agents are, that's what you got to decide on soon. David Bakhtiari, Randall Cobb, Mason Crosby, Alan Lazard, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tanyan. We don't know if they're going to be with the Green Bay Packers next year. So there are multiple free agent decisions that could end up affecting whether Rodgers wants to come back because on the McAfee show, he said that he doesn't think any player wants to be part of any type of rebuild. What if the Green Bay Packers say, hey, we know that you're under contract here for the next two years, but if we can find you a good place to go to, to go, if you want to go chase an MVP somewhere else, have at it. We can trade you somewhere else because we need to start the rebuild right now because they've got Jordan Love. He is entering his fourth season in the NFL. So by May of this year, in a couple months, they need to know whether they're picking up his fifth-year option or whether they're going to end up trading him. That's a huge part of this equation that I don't think we're talking about enough as it pertains to what Rodgers' decision is and how it's going to affect the rest of the roster. Or he may honestly end up seeing this thing and say, well, if you guys are headed towards a rebuild, get me out of here either way because I don't want to be part of it when I'm not playing. Like, they already depleted the roster for yeah. a multitude of reasons this past season. Right. He doesn't want to play in a te- on a team where you go from having Devontae Adams to the receiving core that, that he had this year that was very, very young. And it's not to say that it was a bad receiving core. It was a receiving core that went through a period of transition. I don't think he wants to be part of that again. So the decision that the Green Bay Packers in the front office may come up with before then saying, hey, David Bakhtiari, we're going to let you walk in free agency. Hey, Robert Tanyan, we're not going to you know, keep you around next year. All of that may make Aaron Rodgers' decision for him uh-huh. sooner than maybe the yeah, Green Bay yeah. Packers are expecting. You know, I also think Rodgers is a big NBA fan. I think he likes being talked about like he's an NBA player, you know, with a a lot of power to be able to go wherever he wants to go, to prioritize the individual accomplishment as much as the team accomplishment. But I would just comment that Rogers like, you know, how many MVPs did Michael Jordan even win? I, I don't you're from Chicago off the top of my head. I don't know the answer to that question, but I know that he won six finals MVPs. Um, And so I just think Rodgers has to determine, Courtney, what his priority is in his life. Does he even like playing football anymore? Or does he just like being talked about on Canty and Carlin? Because if if he likes being talked about by us, then he's more than welcome to join us, you know, on the Dr. Pepper call-in line whenever he wants. But I'm not sure what he's doing and saying right now is serving anybody, including him, very well. Well, I think he is getting a kick out of the fact that we all take his words, no matter what circumstance any of it relates to, whether it's, you know, what he's saying about his receivers and hand signals that he may or may not be sharing with certain players that comes out in a story that he wants to call not real, even though every source in that story was on the record, what have you. Right. Every time Aaron Rodgers speaks, we end up parsing through it and reading between the lines because he's not he's not direct with his comments. So we kind of I, have I would to. hate to have him as a teammate, Courtney. I mean, I yeah. just I, I, I get it. Like it, it's not a guy that I'd be excited about going to play with if I was an NFL wide receiver or offensive lineman or anybody. Well, somebody who people would not hate to have a t- as a teammate is Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Can his Monday night magic carry this team to a Super Bowl run? We'll get into that after Aaron tells you this from FanDuel. 
All right. Well, that's right. FanDuel is America's number one sports book, and the NFL playoffs are heating up. The easiest way to get into all the action is with FanDuel. New customers join today. You get started with $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up and make sure you use the promo code PLAY. That's P-L-A-Y. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads and player props. Do not miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in bonus bets, win or lose, and use the promo code PLAY. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Aaron Goldhammer with you here on this Wednesday afternoon, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Three days away from the start of the NFL Divisional Playoffs. Got a great slate of games coming your way this weekend. On Saturday, it starts out in the AFC with Jags Chiefs at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, followed by Giants Eagles. Sunday, continuing on with Bengals Bills and Cowboys 49. And for this Cowboys team, Aaron, coming off a big win, maybe the best win of Dak Prescott's season so far, even though it was against a Bucks team that barely stumbled its way, barely won the NFC South and stumbled its way into the postseason. Right. I feel like Cowboys fans have got to be feeling pretty confident right now, considering where Dak Prescott was and where he was this past, where he became this past Monday. Well, Courtney, considering the pressure. You know, because I really think the Cowboys were playing the pressure as much as they were playing the Bucks. I thought Dak played the best game of his career mm-hmm. uh, on Monday night. You know, everybody was asking the, oh, is McCarthy's job on the line and Sean Payton? And I think they've really quieted a lot of that stuff. And they looked like a team that was four games better than the Buccaneers. And then you looked up at the standings and you realized that they were exactly four games better than the Buccaneers. But to me, this Cowboys season shouldn't be judged by whether they can win one playoff game against an inferior opponent and one of the worst playoff teams the NFL has ever seen this year's Bucks. I think they've got to get back to the place they haven't been to since the mid-90s, and that's the NFC Championship game. So now I feel like their opportunity to make a statement is actually coming this weekend against San Francisco. And if they're able to win this game, then I could actually say they had a successful season, quote-unquote. Beating Tampa, winning one playoff game, to me that's barely 
kind of approaching the expectations that we had for them at the beginning of the year. Well, the route for this Dallas team is difficult because they've got to go on the road in order to get to the Super Bowl. What they did on Monday night was something they hadn't done since the 93 season in beating a team on the road. Yes, they were favored in it, but everything that we'd seen towards the end of the season, Dak Prescott with a league-high 15 interceptions, three pick sixes since week 15, didn't make me confident as a football fan that that wasn't going to happen again. But if you take a look at what happened on Monday night, starting out the game, two straight three and outs, and then he leads the offense to four straight touchdown drives of 80 yards or more. And I think that took away some of the doubt about Dallas and this offense and Dak Prescott being able to get back on track and some of the decision-making issues putting themselves aside for now. But you're right, Aaron. Everything comes down to this game, literally and figuratively, against the San Francisco 49ers because of what's at stake. But really, as sort of a proving ground for them, like if they end up beating San Francisco on the road this weekend and then going into the NFC Championship game, whether it's going to be against, you know, it's one of their division rivals, whether it's Philly or New York, you know, I think that they end up being favored in that game for a lot of different reasons if that line comes comes out um, and they end up facing those teams. Well, but no, I mean, it's it's an intriguing situation because the Dallas Cowboys right now feel yeah. like they're playing with house money. Do you agree? I, I see. And that's where I kind of don't. I, I think that the pressure, the window to win for this team is open right now. Um, and, you know, it's too bad for them that they had the Eagles in their division because normally that record might be good enough to get you the one seed and a bye in some years in the NFC. And this year, you're the five seed, and you got to win three road playoff games. Um, but I think this is a team with real Super Bowl aspirations. I actually think we spend too much time and energy talking about Dak Prescott because I think the real key to them is their defense. Uh, they were playing great defense in October. They looked like a bona fide Super Bowl contender then. They dealt with some injuries. Their defense went into the tank in November when they started slipping a little bit. And then... I thought that this past Monday they looked like they had an elite defense again. And if Micah Parsons in that front shows up playing like that against Brock Purdy and the 49ers, I think they're going to have an opportunity to get a lead in the game. And if that happens, then I think they're really going to have a a chance to go to San Francisco and win, which to me at this point, when you consider the fact they had to go and win three road games in order to get to the Super Bowl, that's a going to San Francisco and winning would be a pretty – awesome accomplishment. Yeah. I would say it would be the biggest win for the Cowboys since Aikman, Emmett, and Michael Irvin if they win this game this weekend. I mean, you talked about their defense and even Mike McCarthy, who was measured, I think, the last couple weeks in his approach about this team. And he was very blunt with his assessment about what happened against Washington. He said that the defense was all over the Bucks as soon as they got off the bus in Tampa Bay. And I think that there is something to be said just about how they were all over Tom Brady, too. I mean, Yes, a lot of this is Tom Brady at this point of his career throwing to a spot, not anticipating, not doing things that he did that made him one of the best quarterbacks of any generation prior to. But 35 of 66, 351 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception, that's not a great stat line when you parse through it and realize that it wasn't just Brady and some poor decisions. It's the fact that he had a defender in his lap a lot on Monday night, and especially with that that Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys pass rush, which as of late 
has started to come alive again. And I think that's a very good sign going forward, considering they really struggled those last couple weeks of the regular season to find a consistent approach in pressuring the quarterback. Yeah, you know, everybody's fawning over Brock Purdy, and rightfully so. But I'd rather have Micah Parsons than Brock Purdy in this game. And I think this is the biggest test that Purdy has faced. I mean, San Fran hasn't played a 10-win team yet with him as quarterback. And I think it's not Dak, it's not Tony Pollard, it's not CeeDee Lamb. The most important player in this game for the Cowboys is actually Micah Parsons. I would expect, Courtney, Dak's not going to play as well. Okay. You this think he's going to fall back like, down to earth? You yes. thought that it's just, hey, yeah. the Bucks are terrible. They barely won the right. NFC South, which should be relegated to Antarctica. Like, yeah. that's not a playoff team. That wasn't Correct. a good measure. Okay, Correct. so you're not impressed by Dak Prescott and his four touchdowns well, that he look, threw I, on Monday I, night. I, I thought it was a good confidence booster of a performance, but I don't expect him to do that again. I think if you're if you're thinking that Dak is going to go and raise his game this postseason to a Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen level, you are going to be disappointed. I will almost guarantee you he will throw an interception in this game. There is probably a good chance that that interception, Courtney, will be returned for a touchdown in this game. The Cowboys are going to have to win this other ways. Tony Pollard, their defense. Dak Prescott can't be a magical superhero so I think really what it comes down to for them is the other elements of their team have to be really, really good in order for them to overcome this challenge and win this game. You know, I have been on the this is not who Dak Prescott is bus all season long with these interceptions. And I got a little nervous there, Aaron, towards the end of the regular season when I'm starting to see those interceptions return for touchdowns. Nobody else had more pick sixes in that same stretch. And it did worry me that that past performance was going to be indicative of what he did in the future. I think I'm okay jumping off of my panic my panic meter right now and saying that the Dak Prescott we saw Monday night is going to be the one that shows up in San Francisco, whatever it was, and especially when it comes down to the decision-making element because that has been something we've critiqued you know, for a while. I think he's going to be okay going forward because the other elements of the offense, the run game that finally got going after that miserable Week 18 performance, like, yeah. that's what they're going to like, – when you take some of that weight off Dak Prescott and his shoulders sure. in a – postseason situation you're in a far better situation going forward and I think some of that is you know credit certainly to Dak Prescott but also credit to Kellen Moore for reading the room and figuring out the best way to put his quarterback and the rest of the team in a position to succeed so we'll keep our eye on that game that's the game I'm most excited for this weekend we're going to break down all the other games divisional playoff weekend here in the NFL but first Kenny and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance are you looking for a career that you'll love with flexibility great pay and benefits and one of the country top workplaces, then come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Straight ahead, deciphering a tweet from a Hall of Famer. We're going to need to dive into that next here on Candy and Carlin. Courtney Cronin, Aaron Goldhammer sitting in for the guys on this Wednesday afternoon. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. And Carlin, the podcast. We're hearing about who's interviewing where. Some news today coming from ESPN's Diana Rossini is that Sean Payton, Saints head coach, formerly, or I guess still kind of in the fold considering they own his rights, he's going to be interviewing with Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper in New York. That's one opening to continue to watch. Still nothing yet on the Denver Broncos front and the other head coaching openings that remain. And coming out of wild card weekend, there was no movement for any of the head coaches who were on the hot seat. Obviously, Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys win that game down in Tampa. That should mean that he is more than safe. But Brandon Staley, after this team went up 27-0 to on the Jacksonville Jaguars and then lost that game, 31-30, to he still has his job as of right now with the Los Angeles Chargers. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Aaron Goldhammer sitting in for the guys. Now, there, there are many people... Kurt Warner, former NFL Hall of Fame quarterback included, Aaron, that think if you make it to the postseason, you're safe. And he had this tweet today that I'm going to read you right now that kind of gives a sentiment out there that there should be no consideration of firing anybody, buddy, whether it's a situation like Brandon Staley or one that had some ambiguity around it like Mike McCarthy. He said, few things irritate me more in the NFL in NFL talk than when people talk about getting rid of a coach after getting their team to the playoffs. Please just just stop. This job is difficult. It's dependent on a lot of factors against the best in the world. And we are so flippant with that accomplishment. Where do you stand on this side of this? Like, do you think that I'm unfair for saying that Brandon Staley should be questioned about his job security after what happened in the playoffs, regardless of getting his team to the wild card round? Hell no, I, I don't feel that way. I, I think every circumstance is different, Courtney. Like, what if you want to fire somebody with cause? Uh, what if you want to fire somebody because even though you made the playoffs, you blew a 27-point lead in the second half, and it's the second time in as many years that your team has fallen flat on its face in the final game? You know, I, I think that teams have different expectation levels where they are in their growth and development, and frankly, I know a fired coach, Kurt Warner, when I see one, Okay. I've been watching this league long enough to know I know guys that are on the verge of getting fired. In fact, I could probably give you three or four guys who are going to be the next three or four guys who get fired. Every coach in this league, Courtney, gets fired. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you cover one. You're the ESPN NFL Nation reporter for the Bears, okay? They had first-year coach this year, defensive coach Matt Eberflus. Uh, they win three games next year. Is he going to be the coach again? Hell no. He's getting fired. They have a new team president, Kevin Warren. He's going to be out. So 
You know, I, I don't know that there's any rules. You can never fire the coach if blank. I think that owners and organizations know what fired coaches are, and they have a sense of when their locker room and their team needs a change, and that's when they make it. A lot of this comes back to, you know, the league feels like it's churning through too many coaches. I actually disagree with them on that. Okay. I think there are too many retread guys who don't get fired fast enough in the NFL. I think the league has a minority hiring problem, but I don't think it has a problem with too many coaches of these billion-dollar organizations getting fired too fast. Very rarely does a guy get fired, and I say, wow, he really didn't deserve that. Yeah, I mean, and very so. not very often do you see people get a leash of five, six, seven, eight years or a chance to go through multiple quarterbacks in order to get it right. I mean, we go back to one of the first firings of this cycle, and that was Matt Rule when he got relieved of his duties before the halfway point of the season with Carolina. And he was on his, what, like third quarterback, if you're trying to actually think of like guys who had started uh, for the Carolina Panthers. And that one felt like it was not going to happen any other way, that that was like a necessity for this team to be able to get they almost went way. and won the division mm-hmm. after that. Like, they turned their season around. I'll tell you this. The way they played after they fired Nathaniel Hackett, the Broncos waited too long. Yep. I know what a fired coach looks like. I could have told you he was going to get fired after the very first game they played in Seattle on Monday Night Football. I know to some people that sounds ridiculous. I just think as a football-loving culture, we know a fired coach when we see one. Can you think of, Courtney, someone who got fired as an NFL head coach, and you're like, man, they really screwed up and they should have kept him? I mean, you can go back to what Jerry Jones talked about last week when he was presented this situation about like, hey, is it going to take the playoff game to determine Mike McCarthy's future? And he even said that he fired Chan Gailey too soon after going to the wild card round back to back years. And then he fires him after losses. I think it was 1999. That's a decision he wishes he could have had back. But too often the writing's on the wall with a lot of these coaches. And I mean, yeah, like Steve Wilkes probably shouldn't have been fired uh, when he was with Arizona. That was certainly not fair, but too often We know a fired head coach when we see one in the NFL. Straight ahead, we're going to look at the Chiefs going into the divisional round here on Canty and Carlin. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. 